Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Russ explores the tension between belief and doubt in the Thomas post-resurrection story, and the possibility that maybe belief and doubt are not at odds with one another. It comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Thomas is in there, and the issue is doubt. But, but underneath it all, what's really going on here is the call to belief. And beyond that, it's, this is about life. The whole book, the whole book of John is about life, the flourishing life. It is the invitation to a life that has abundance. The giveaway, even in this passage, is at the end when Jesus and, and the author says, through believing, you may have life in his name. What has been the, the, the common theme all the way around. And now, and now here's one more thing that's going to be an obstacle. Here's one more thing. Doubt is not the subject, life is. Doubt is the occasion for how Jesus is going to bring life, even there. Just before this, the occasion was fear, the apostles who are locked in the room and, and, and afraid. Before that, the occasion had to do with expectations shrouded by, by, by despair. They couldn't see what was going on. After this, next week, we're talking about the issue and the occasion of regret, of failure, and sometimes the pride that, that gets in the way of being able to let go of that. Throughout the Bible, Jesus is talking about other things that are the occasion for getting in the way of belief. It has to do with greed. It has to do with security. It has to do with my own pride. It has to do with my inability to forgive or to let go. Doubt is real. It's an obstacle, but it's not the subject of this story. It's the latest occasion. And having said that, it's debilitating, right? I have all kinds of conversations and I've always had conversations with people around the issue of faith and the issue of doubt. And sometimes, sometimes, not unlike Thomas, it can be the thing that holds us back. Crippling in some ways. People, it is almost as if, it is almost as if we think that doubt and belief can't exist. It's a zero-sum game. To the degree that I have doubt, I can't have belief. To the degree that I have belief, there won't be any doubt. This is especially troubling. <laughs> when, when we think of it in terms of if I, if I could just screw up enough certainty, then I won't have to, to worry about doubt and belief. One of the most doubting times of my life, one of the times when I just did not know what I believed anymore, ironically, is in seminary, about halfway through seminary. I had come in thinking I knew what I believed. I came in thinking that seminary was going to teach me what I believed and how to defend it and how to make certain of it so I could pass it on to other people. Doesn't always work that way. Surely it didn't in my life. About halfway through the three years of seminary, I found myself going, I don't know what I believe anymore. I don't know what I could say with certainty. On the one hand, this. On the other hand, that. And when you're halfway through seminary and you're planning to spend your whole life preaching and helping people with faith, this could be a problem. 
there's this sense of what am I doing if I can't figure this stuff out? Does this make me a fraud? Does this make me a hypocrite? Turns out it makes me human because everybody gets to that point or is invited to come to that place because it is at that point we get to decide and figure out and start to build, as I was able to with some great guidance, I was able to build out and figure out, so what do I believe? Where will I stand? What do I do with doubt? Because it doesn't go anywhere. How do I believe even as I am doubting? Now, some of it, some of it is our language. Uh, the word belief has, has changed over time. Most of us think of it in terms of something, oh, something we, we think or that we affirm. I, I believe it's going to be a nice day today. I believe the Rockies are going to win the World Series. <laughs> I may be deluded, but, that, but that's the kind of belief we just think out loud and think, okay, this is how I'm putting the world together again. I think this is a good time to invest or to divest from certain markets. Speculation is, is a, there's a type of that that's called belief. There's a, a deeper kind of belief when we get to some of the things that get closer to convictions. I believe honesty is the best policy. I believe that people are basically good or basically bad. Both of those are convictions. Both of those will disappoint you at about the same rate. I, I believe in the Bible or this particular way of reading the Bible. I believe in, in infant or believer baptism. These are starting now to get to the convictions. Whereas before, if I doubted what you said about what you believe about the day or your team and all, that, that's maybe irritating. Now this becomes a threat. When I am hanging on to these are my convictions, now, if you, now doubt starts to become the enemy and anyone who, who voices them becomes the enemy. We heard a song today, I believe, I believe in this and this, and it gets down to the core of I believe in you, I believe in love. That's a conviction. And all of it is good and all of it's true and none of it gets quite deep enough for this story because there is something else that is going on. There is something that is calling us to the deeper understanding of the very word that we're using today, which is belief. None of this gets us to the place where Thomas is able to say, my Lord and my God. And to change his life and to give his life completely to the spreading of this good news. At the peril of his own life. There is something deeper going on because what we have done is we have confused, we have confused belief and, and doubt as if they cannot exist. It's an either or. It's a test. I think that if I could eliminate all the doubts in my life, then I could believe. But here's the problem. They're not polar opposites. They exist in the same time and the same place. I could be absolutely certain. I could be absolutely certain that the Rockies are going to win the World Series and it wouldn't change my life because I wouldn't give myself to that. No matter what my convictions are, there's a time in my life, maybe yours, where you believed in God without reservation. And maybe, if you were like me at one point in my life, it really didn't matter 
okay, sure, I believe God exists. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he rose from the dead. What's for lunch? It was, it was that kind of a thing. It was like, okay, so... But it didn't change anything. There's something else that's going on here. And so it doesn't have to do with eliminating doubt. It was Pascal, a famous mathematician, philosopher, and theologian hundreds of years ago who defended faith all the time. And he said something to the effect of, listen, I believe that there is enough evidence, ample evidence to convince anyone with a seeking open mind of the veracity of the gospel. But I have also come to believe that there is not enough evidence available to ever argue anyone into heaven. It's not about just coming up with all the right arguments. There is something else going on, and that's where we get to this understanding of what belief. At its core, it's more than mental assert, assent. It's more than just checking off the punch list of things that I would need to believe in or be certain of before I would follow Jesus. It gets much more to the original meaning of the word belief than what Jesus is using, which is it has to do, when we use the Latin word credo, we get closer to it. It means this is what I give my heart to. I believe means that I have given my heart. I'm giving myself. I am organizing my life around this. I am, I, in its most Basic, it is to believe, the root of that is to be love. It is to love this. It is to give myself. It is to organize. It is to commit and devote myself to this. When Thomas is there and saying, my Lord and my God, he's talking not because he has no more questions. He's talking about this, this is the one I want to give myself to. This spring, this summer, uh, there will be a scene that is played out as it is played out every year, in every spring and every summer around pools. There will be uh, children who are maybe adults who are hanging on to the edge of the pool. And there will be parents and coaches and other people trying to coax them out and let go of the side of the pool so that they can swim so that they can enjoy the water and if you've ever been in that tug of war you know what's going on if you've ever been there you know it will do no good to hand that child a chart that shows buoyancy here I've answered every question you won't sink no no and then I will show you what happens with the life vest I, you can answer every question and it still may not be enough to get somebody to let go of the side of the pool. You can give them every reason. I'm right here. I'm not going to let you go. If you've ever been in that tug of war, you know that that just doesn't, you know what finally gets it every time? What finally gets it every time, what finally gets it is why, why the child showed up at the side of the pool anyway. They begin to see their friends and they begin to see people having fun. They begin to feel something on the inside that says, this has my name on. I should be able to do this too. The beginning of belief, the strengthening of belief is not about eliminating all our doubts. It's about locating, locating the places that grab our heart. In my own life and in my own faith, a wise person helped me walk through that and, and was able to say, so what makes you, 
want to talk about Jesus in the first place? What is it that compels you about Christ? What is it about his life? What is it about his character? What do you love? I think that's an amazingly good question. And I found myself thinking through, well, this is what I beloved. This is what draws me to this in the first place. And it was the interactions of Jesus with people, particularly outcasts. But even, even the people who were holding on to power and even the people who were using systems in ways that clutching and holding them and hurting others, even there he, he went right to the heart of it and yet in a way that was designed to call them out because he kept talking about life and he kept talking about it in a way that began to stir and continues to stir something in me. What about you? What are the things, what are the things that stir you what are the stories what are your favorite stories of Jesus what are the favorite sayings what is it that resonates in you before we talk about on the other side of, of, of this of this moment a contemplative moment before we do that before we talk about what what do you do about the things that keep holding you onto the side of the pool let's start here what are the things that brought you to the pool in the first place? What are the things, despite all the questions that we have and the doubts that we carry on this day, what brings you here today? What keeps you coming back, even if you don't have all the answers? What is it about Christ that draws you? Because there is something there that is the clue. For me, it is that persistence of Jesus, including it is this scene. It is this scene that Jesus is there we can call this scene the scene of doubting thomas i think we would be just as right and maybe even more so to talk about this is the story of the persistent jesus who keeps coming and meeting us in our place of pain and fear the same jesus who who walked through the door that was locked shut just before this the same jesus who came and appeared and helped people out of their despair the same jesus who's going to go to peter in his in his isolation jesus continues to come jesus continues to operate jesus continues to invite jesus continues to say don't let those things hold you back don't don't let fear keep you from giving your heart, from jumping in. What are those things for you? Doubt is not the opposite of faith. It's not the opposite of belief. It's a part of it. Just like fear and, and pride and all those things that get in the way, they can be obstacles, but they are part of the life of faith. And in fact, they can, they can grow it, they can stretch it, they can challenge it. I came to, to not fear doubt, and, and, but to begin to welcome it as beginnings of something that is rumbling in me that needs, I need to open up. I need to, it is an invitation to a wider understanding of God. Heaven help us, literally heaven help us, if we have a God who can fit neatly and snugly into our own understanding, what we have created, whatever it is, is not God. It's way too small. It's way too manageable. And thank God that God doesn't like those kind of boxes. God continues to introduce things in that invite us to stretch beyond what we thought we could hang on to so that we might grow. Doubt is not, it is not the opposite of belief. 
It is, as one author said, it is the ants in the pants of faith. It keeps it moving. It keeps it alive. If you don't, if you don't have doubt, you are either kidding yourself or you're dead. Because there is no option. To live is to doubt. Just as to live is to fear. Just as to live is to be proud. Just as to live is to, to want to hang on. Now, belief takes place not in absence, but in conversation with, in this case, doubt. I think it was William Sloan Coffin who said, Jesus came to take away our sins, not our mind. And I have held on to that for a long time, that Jesus is coming and does not ask does not ask Thomas or Peter or you or me to let go of our mind as if to just shelve it off to there so that I can live blindly over here, but to walk together, to let those things begin to talk to us and to open us up. The key for me in understanding this story is where it's taking place. It's not only that Jesus came to that place where they were, it's that's where they were. Uh, imagine this scene, because the, the disciples, except for Thomas, had seen Jesus the week before. And he's there. Thomas is there. They have a place to gather. This is the place where they hang out. There is something about gathering, and it is, it is a place that accepts difference. Everybody in that room, except Thomas, had seen Jesus. Thomas was standing out going, I can't, I won't, I can't go that far. And he's still welcome. He's not a threat. Because the problem isn't that doubt itself is itself a threat. It is what's getting in the way of Thomas right now. Thomas is there going, I can't, I can't get my mind around. I can't do this yet. I can't let go of the side of the pool and yet he's there with all these other people. There is something about a community, a good community of faith, which is, by definition, therefore also a community of doubt. A place where it is safe to ask questions. A place where it is safe to say, I don't get this. I don't even believe. I, I can't get my mind around this. And it's still safe because this, this then becomes the incubator of faith. We need one another. This is the, one of the great scenes after the resurrection of the disciples getting together. And in another book, at the end of it, as Jesus is ascending, it says the disciples were there. Some still didn't believe, but that's okay. They were there. They were there. They were there for one another, and they were there to learn, and this became the place where faith became real. And it's amazing, it's amazing when we hold the space where I don't have to agree with everything, I don't have to get everything at the same rate you do, and you don't have to get everything and see everything the same way I do, but we are there because we have chosen to follow Christ, Christ shows up anyway. We don't have to have all the right answers. Have you ever been part of a group, and I know some of you have, where it was either a church or a group or a Bible study where only this much questioning was allowed. And after that much questioning, now you're a danger to the group. And you, you're not welcome there. If you, can't, if you can't describe to certain sets of beliefs in the right way with the right words, you don't belong. That is the opposite of this story. That is the opposite of what's going on. That is the opposite of what it means to live with doubt, to believe with 
doubt, just as there is the invitation to believe with fear, to believe with pride, to believe with greed, to believe with our failings, to believe with all the things that don't match up, to believe, to give yourself, to jump in with both feet anyway. And then let those things begin to instruct and strengthen and grow. Here's what I believe. I believe you have a pool in front of you this week. You have something to jump into, something that's inviting you to jump in with both feet. And I believe there's all kinds of reasons that you and I have for hanging on to the side, for not wanting to let go. And some, for some of us, it is doubt, and we can't check off all the boxes. And some of it's because we're afraid. And some of it's because we like security. And some of it's because it's our own self and our own ego that can't get out of the way. All of those things are reasons to hang on to the side. But I also believe there is something in Christ who is coming and who is offering life, who is saying, but the water is good. You were made for this. You were made to swim out. You were made to go into the deep end of life. And just as I am with you on the side, like he is with Thomas, he's already out in the deep end and already waiting and already inviting. And the question, the question today is, what is holding you back? But what is captivating and wants you to go out anyway? And the invitation today is to listen to both voices. What are the places where you doubt? And what are the places where you want to swim out anyway? What's calling you? What's got your name on it? What's stirring your heart? Because it's there. It's there. That you will discover and affirm that it is in doing that that we find the life of Christ, the life for which nothing can stop, that goes on forever, that is calling us Today, as we are captivated by the beauty, the grace, the majesty of Christ and his call to follow. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we are not unlike the children who are hanging on where it feels secure and safe, and yet, and yet there is something that is ringing in our ears. There is something calling in our hearts to go out into the deep end. There is something in the message of Easter that he is, he is risen. He is risen indeed, that there is life. It has our name on it. It is calling us. There is something that brings us to this place. By your grace this week, help us to also hear not just the things that hold us back, but even more the things that draw us here in the first place that are calling us today. That in letting go, letting go of our fear, letting go of our doubt, letting go and giving our whole heart to you to discover the one who has given his heart for us. It is in Christ's name that we come. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.